It is another live edition of Lockdown Guardians. That means no video intro. We're still going to have a typical show, but come on. It is currently the ninth inning of a tie game and game one of a series that's going to help figure out this division. I can't not go live. I have to be here. I have to do this. Can I talk about some differences in uh, approach right now in the ninth? I love the fact that Chicago realized high leverage is high leverage and went right to their closer. <laughs> I know Enyel just struck out his first player you face, but like he is not. He's been very good this year, but he is not who I want to go to in what is a playoff environment. Uh, you have. I understand we've already had 99. We've already had uh, Stefan. We've had Sandlin. And, you know, they're leading with the, the right handed hitter there. And he's done well. So I guess maybe uh, it looks bad for me to say that. But I'm just going to be honest. I, I don't know if he's the guy I go to in that situation. Speaking of this game, uh, it has been a little bit of a frustrator for me. One, Cleveland should be up 4 to 3 right now. Yes, the umpire completely blew the call at home. It was a lazy call. He was in bad position. It was a quick play. Like, at first, I was like, oh, don't go home, Ahmed. But he, it was the right call. He is a strong base runner. And, you know, he came burling. Burling? No, he, he wasn't a burrow. Uh, barreling around, and he was safe at home. 100% he was safe at home. This should be a 4-3 game. Class A should be out here. We should be talking about how the Guardians' magic number is 10. Right? 10. But instead, we're sitting there going, okay, let's hope for extras because of a bad call. Now, at the same time, they should have had a challenge there. It was such a wasted challenge on that stolen base attempt by Elvis Andrews. That was a... You're not going to get that overturned. Like That's why you have a replay coordinator to look at that and be like, no, don't challenge that. So they can go out and challenge the play that changes this game. If they lose in extra innings... It'll be because they poorly managed replays, which, I mean, if you're a Cleveland sports fan, and you've been a Browns fan for any point in your life, I guess you're just kind of used to that. But, uh, yeah, they, right now, if Enio can complete, he's got a one-two count while I'm recording this. If he can complete this, we're talking about this game not being over because of a not having a replay challenge because they wasted it and because an umpire was in poor position. Those are both <laughs> extremely frustrating. My other complaint, Aaron Savale, since July 13th, has thrown 20 total innings. Why are you sending him out? The fifth inning, he gave up two hits. It's not like he was shut down, you know, dominant in the fifth. Uh, and there we go, extra innings. This game shouldn't be an extras. Cleveland should have won. Frustrating. Like, it's so important of a game you're facing Dylan Cease against Aaron Zavale, who's been hurt. To win this game is huge. This is the one the White Sox are counting on. This is their back pocket game. This is the game the White Sox thought they had won before it even started. Cleveland winning this, it just, I mean, it, on top of just taking away a game that is the one that they are supposed to win, it guarantees the tiebreaker. It essentially takes that division lead and makes it five and a half. And like I said, it knocks that magic number down to 10. And it really puts the division almost out of reach for the White Sox already. And then you got the two more games with McKenzie and Bieber. And yeah, no, it's just that's, that's what makes this extra frustrating from that perspective. But to go back to my point about why I am 
peak frustrated. Okay, umpires being lazy. Wasting a challenge, three. Why are you sending Savali out? 20 innings since July 13th. You're going back to the top of the order. Third time through the order for a guy who, and you can just look at his game log. He went four innings, six innings, four and two thirds, six and a third. Don't send him out there. If he had maybe blazed through the fifth without an issue, but no, the fifth he ran to some danger. I'm not sending him out there in the sixth. And then when you already have two base runners on, it's a high leverage situation. Why are you going to Sandlin, who has the worst control of the grouping? You've got, I understand, this This is where I get frustrated with kind of the outdated thought of, okay, so Stefan, Karen Chalk, and Class A are only for the 7th, 8th, and ninth innings. So when you go into the 6th, you're throwing your 4th, because that's Sandlin's inning, just because, hey, he's the next guy. It's like, no, that is a high leverage situation. Go get your high leverage pitcher. So those are kind of my views, my takes, my frustrations in the early part of this game. Uh, You know, for the fans out there, what did you think? What did you feel? I realized I completely blew through everything I'm supposed to do at the start of a show. I want to thank everyone who is still here for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today, every day, wherever you get podcasts. I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Lockdown Guardians, as I have been for 796 of these now, I believe. Uh, Graveman is into pitch. That is unfortunate. The White Sox really have two relievers that I have any concerns with. This is one of them. But yeah, to to get into this game, you know, in depth. You know, right now Sandlin went one inning, Stefan went one, ninety nine went one, and Yell. They might try to get more out of him. We'll see how this goes. If they get a run across, they'll go to Class A. Obviously, if not, they might see what they got with him. It's going to be. A situation where, you know, they they don't know how long it's going to go, and they don't have a lot of guys. I feel like they feel like they can try. Oh, come on! Don't don't. Well, I guess it's not the worst thing for Ahmed. It was just like get out of play, get out of play. They're going to walk Ramirez here. Uh, yes, I do have an earpiece in. I'm listening to the Chicago broadcast. Uh, as I'm recording, I'm multitasking for the sake of getting as much information as possible while I'm also recording. But yeah, so I, I have the game going while listening, while recording. Uh, let me know how it goes, and if it is terrible, I will never attempt this ever again. <laughs> but let's take our... No, we're not going to take a break. What the heck am I saying? Jose Ramirez <laughs> at the plate. We're in delay. Let's talk about what I brought up for point two of the podcast. Uh, one of those things that... I'm going to I'm going to try to be fancy and share my screen. Let's see if uh, if this works in in the uh, video. If you I have pulled up Elvis Andrews's, uh, yeah. So they did walk Jose. Uh, Elvis Andrews's statistical performance against opposing teams. And would you be shocked that Cleveland is far and away number one? Number two, the Braves in Milwaukee are teams he has less than 50, well fifty six and forty nine plate appearances. Tampa is next with over 300. Houston would be next at over 700. That's if we skip Colorado, who's a little over 100. But the point is to go down to like Houston down there, that's a 751. Cleveland is a 914. Uh, Milwaukee, the number two team, is an 878. This guy, for whatever reason, has always killed Cleveland. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, this is probably one of those things where I just think this is the case, but it's not actually the case. But no, it is 100% the case. Uh, the other side would be the Toronto Blue Jays with 346 plate appearances and a 593 OPS for his career. He legitimately feasts on Cleveland. Uh, 
I thought that was something I had to show. I also tweeted it. So if you are someone who doesn't watch and listens, you can go find me at Jeff MLB Draft to see that. And he has continued to be a thorn. Like, in this game, he has been a thorn. Uh, well, JRock6, thanks for joining us. Uh, I appreciate everyone who comes in, uh, no matter their view. It, you know, I will say, sitting here listening to this game, it is kind of refreshing how much the White Sox crew just emits when uh, a pitch is outside. Like, that is something I don't expect. Like, they're like, no, that was a bad pitch. Like, about their own guys. You can't get mad. Is that going to draw? There we go. Nailer. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, he made it. I thought for sure they're going to tag him. I can't believe it. <laughs> Woo. This is why this is a, in, I mean, sorry, J-Rock. But uh, why this, to me, feels like a gut punch if Cleveland pulls this off is because Cease versus Savali should have been the giveaway game. That's the game that I was like, okay, they're going to lose this one. If you are a White Sox fan, this was a must win because it is such an advantage. Such an advantage. And a good, good run there by Jose, even though I always get nervous with those headfirst slides. Fine when you're doing it in the third. They, I wish everyone used that glove. Okay, I wish everyone used that glove. I need to take uh, my first commercial break here. So if everyone will pardon me, I'm going to listen. We have our ad read. We're going to do it. It is our first and oldest sponsor. And I will always appreciate Blue Chew for being first through the door. And if you want to be first through the door, Blue Chew is going to help you be first through that bedroom door. It is a unique online service delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. No visits, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line. And everything is mailed discreetly to your door. Blue Chew tablets are made in the U.S. and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package so no one is the wiser. Listen, it can be an embarrassing thing to talk about. I get that. A tongue-in-cheek take on it. But it is great how much they value your privacy. And they understand that certain things are delicate to talk about. If you've ever been curious, if you've ever wanted to try it, well, now is the time to do it because we got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. You just got to pay the $5 for shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for continuing to sponsor this podcast. Okay, I'm back. I'm sure... Oh, this game. How about it? It's just... Jimenez, stop sliding into first base. Yeah, I, I, it's great. It's it's 5-3. to three. I feel very good about that. With class A on the mound. But for the love of God, stop sliding into first base. I feel like that uh, sketch on Saturday Night Live uh, with Will Ferrell right now. It's like... Can someone show Jimenez that that like legitimately slows him down and does not bring any value to getting into first and just is going to lead to injury? Can you please stop sliding head first or tumbling into, you know, any, whatever he's doing? Please don't. 
do it anymore. So on yesterday's show, I was talking about the 2004 Indians. Well, it turns out I was wrong, uh, very wrong. It was not the 2004 Indians that were the team that I remembered and that I had this great kind of bittersweet love affair with. It was actually the 2005 Indians, which was pointed out by former um, waiting for next year, uh, Cleveland writer, uh, Andrew Clayman, and uh, one of my longest uh, friends in life, just kind of a funny happenstance that uh, we both ended up writing about baseball, uh, specifically the Cleveland Guardians, something that was just kind of born and bred at us. But yeah, it's I guess that makes sense because 2005 is when the White Sox won the World Series. And that was the year that Cleveland uh, had a chance to get that playoff positioning. They had 93 wins that year and didn't make the postseason. 93 wins. This team this year won't get to 93 wins. I feel a pretty good chance. You know, that feels like a pretty confident thing to say. But uh, this is a very fun team in spite of that. A team that I'm going to very much enjoy when they hit the postseason. I know one of the big slams I see is is that this team is like, oh, enjoy losing in the first round, and that's like the laziest thing. The same thing is like people uh, people who also want to like slam this team for this, that, or the other thing. It's like, you know, it, what's what's the expression? They hate us because they ain't us. Like, that is right now the feeling of this team. They're in first place. They're going to make the postseason. The Twins, the White Sox, I understand, you know, their frustrations as fans, but... Uh, they All those teams would gladly switch spots and be in the postseason. Because let's be honest, the postseason is a crapshoot. The best, the closest this team has gotten to winning it all, 1997, which was the year that they were going to have a similar record to this year, that they were not expected to make it. In 2016, where I always, for some reason, get the have the confusion about that year in my head, but where the entire starting pitching staff was hurt virtually, the two times that they should have been the least likely to advance, they went the deepest. So never discount anyone. And what carries you in the postseason is often bullpens. This team has a bullpen to carry them. So, yeah, whenever anyone's like, enjoy losing in the first round, enjoy getting swept, I'm just like, I will. I will enjoy every postseason game I get. And I'm just going to be very happy to experience those games. Now we got Class A on the mound to finish this one up for the Cleveland Guardians. Another potential win. They get this one. That magic number becomes 10. It's, you know, it's kind of crazy just to go back and think. Part of me wants to, like, as an episode this week, repost the roundtable from the American League Central. And you know, it's not to slam anyone, but the last two years I've had to go to the mat to defend the Guardians. And really say, like, they're not a bad team. It's not even like I'm going to the mat saying they're going to win the division. I just said, hey, this is a sleeper team. Just like I talked about why the Guardians minor leagues were the best in the division. And I got kind of joked on about that. And I'm like, guys, if there's one thing you learn, spending a lot of time studying the minors, that it's about depth, not blue chips. And you can go back and look at it. And the blue chips from that this division... Do any of them have a, a war over one? Is a single one of the top 20 prospects who started the year in the top 20 amongst this division? Uh, nothing there. That's unfortunate. But to go back to that point, it's like, you know, the, the Torkelsons, the Greens, the Wits, 
really haven't lived up to that hype. Uh, but it's the same thing. People just keep wanting to think that this team, you know, okay, so now they're going to rebuild. It's like, oh, no, they just kept building these waves. They've got, they're the youngest team in the big leagues. They're, uh, they're younger than AAA teams. And now they have a top five minor league system. And it looks like they're going to make the postseason. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they continue to build. Because do you try to keep Ahmed? How much do they value him internally? Or do you promote some young guys? And if you're not going to promote the young guys, you got to consider trading them. Because otherwise you're just having an asset in AAA that doesn't do anything. So I'm very curious to see how this team continues to build and evolve. Because they are so good right now. And they have so much talent coming down the pipe. And, man, it's going to be interesting to watch this team overall over, I mean, the postseason, right? First of all, first the postseason. And then beyond that, as they go into, there we get out number one. I'll take it. You know what? Getting the lead runner, one run across, totally fine. It's totally fine. Getting that out is is the important thing there. I am I am content You know, I, I I realize one of the things I didn't talk about earlier in the game was the horrible error sequence, which that throw there made me think about. Can we talk about the fact that, like, a team that has been built on defense, Ahmed gives a really bad throw. or not, Well, let's start. Andres, I still think it's going to be Cleveland right now. Uh, that's who my prediction is for who's going to win this. Andre Jimenez, bad throw. But I don't know how you short hop the throw from second to first. Uh, that was, you know, another one of those situations. This team, in a lot of respects, does not deserve to win this game. But the, you know, it they you still got to consider them the favorites. I don't know what the percentage odds are, you know, in terms of everything else, but. When you got Class A, who's been the best reliever in baseball, I don't want any arguments. Uh, for me, uh, I think he is. Oof, that one almost got away from him, though. He has been the best reliever in baseball with one out. I, I still feel very good about Cleveland's chances in this one. Uh, let's, for the sake of the podcast, let's take break number two right here. I'll write down, do a spot, and then we're going to get into the box score of what is hopefully going to be a big win for the Cleveland Guardians. Hey, let's talk some box scores in this game as we go. Who are the three stars for Cleveland today? Quan's got three hits. Naylor's got two hits. You know, it, for a team that rarely walks, they had six walks in this game so far. That's it's kind of amazing. Jimenez is the only extra base hit. That triple that was the first run in this game. Savali, five innings with those... Oh, would you... I would... I would argue you don't throw. I would honestly not. I would just indifference. And you know, it's it. You're not getting. Yes, if you get it, you can. But there's there's too many negative opportunities, and this was nearly one of them. You don't want him going to third, okay? You you don't. So I, I think you just hold on the ball and you eat it in that situation, and you don't risk it. And they got the strikeout. You're just going one-to-one here, okay? You got 
situation going on. And this is a massive, massive matchup with Jose Abreu. <laughs> Deep breath time. But just again to talk about how this game is played out. By the way, Jose Abreu, free agent to be for the Chicago White Sox. Just saying, if this team wanted to go out and make a internal... Uh, when he came over from Cuba, you if you could still find uh, Indians Baseball Insider back when that was it, I, I wrote a piece on why the Guardians should uh should take a risk on jose abreu uh it was you know now he's 35 i don't know but uh we talked about carlos santana on yesterday's show and how he'd be an interesting addition jose abreu uh, last year the only question is is he getting every other year guy like that's the weirdest thing in baseball and i swear they exist there are those guys who are just even or odd years they're better one one count uh going back into (laughs) the three stars in this one when we discuss, like, you know, who reach base more than once in this game, who are our two reach base guys? Well, you can just go down the line. It's Quan, it's Jose, it's Naylor, it's Oscar Gonzalez with a walk. Always a positive development for him. We don't see enough of those. And that's really it. The bottom of the lineup was not very super productive in this one. They did have the timely walks when they needed it. But that one triple by Rosario is the only extra base hit as well. One, two count, here we go. Right now for me, I think you have to consider Quan and Naylor the guys. Naylor having the big hit to unbreak. You don't have anything nice to say. This is a family friendly show. Frustration. Class A has been so good, so good, but not so good over the past few weeks. Since that he's given up that run, I'm kind of curious to go see what his, how, you know, I feel like that's what, the third or fourth run given up in May after he didn't give up a run since, or I'm sorry, for, third or fourth run in September after not having given up a run since, like, May. <sighs> giving up two and again though at the end of the day like this game should be over this game should be over like it should you know the blown call on Ahmed like at the end of the day here more than anything else this game should have been over because Ahmed Rosario was home and he was safe like for as mad as we get for as annoyed as we get for class A Having struggles when it matters the most after being as good as he is, it's like he shouldn't even be. He's not even supposed to be here today. He is not even supposed to be in this game because this game should be over and done with. Blown call and then not having the ability to review it. I mean, you're you're talking about a blown call that could affect a playoff outcome? That's where we are. We're at a blown call that, if things go south enough, could affect a playoff situation. It just... Maybe they need to do something better with reviews. Maybe they need to figure something out or a way that, like, you know, they don't miss them. So someone in the box can be like, no, you got that wrong. Let's just overturn it to get it right. Like, doesn't the NFL have that kind of system anymore on, you know, situations? So Class A had given up, let's see, August. I thought it was longer. Oh, were those not... So August 6th, he gave up an earned run. July 6th, he gave up an earned run. 
And then you come into September. He's got the unearned run on September 5th against Kansas City. He's got picks up the loss on September 7th against Kansas City with the two earned runs. And then the one, well now, one unearned and two total runs in this one. Fourth blown save of the year. Cruddy time for that to happen. But, yeah. I just can't get past the fact. And, you know, I'm sure if you're listening, either you're going to be as frustrated as me, so you're going to also be fixated on this, that this game shouldn't be here. Like, this game should have been over. It should have been over. That's just the truth of it. A badly blown call. And... That's that's just what it comes down to. Like, get it right. Why do I want robot umpires? I don't know if they would help in that. But, like, okay, so in that situation, the play comes down, and then you watch the review, and you're more likely to get it right. And that is my overall frustration, because right now, if you're Cleveland, guess what? Naylor's out of this game. Your new DH is Richie Palacios. Uh, your bench is down to... Uh, is it just Clement? Is there anyone else down there who's left? Uh, no, I guess there's Ty Freeman. Your bullpen, you still got Henches. McCarty is still here. I mean, he's the your long guy if you need him. You got Shaw. You got Morgan. You got Henches. But Cleveland's bench is Freeman and it's Owen Miller. Okay, so we'll see what happens for Cleveland. It's just... Like I said, for me, as a fan of this team, it is incredibly frustrating to be like, here we are in the 11th. We're going to have to burn through the bullpen in a game that should have been done. And, you know, I, I mentioned I really appreciate Joey uh, Donuts, who's a White Sox fan. Uh, I just like tweet at me, and if Pollock doesn't fall down the first, it's bad luck for every team. I'm like, well, falling down is bad luck. Completely having a blown call at home plate is having a blown call at home plate. And it's not to, to rag on him at all. I get his point, but, like, one is bad luck and one is bad umpiring. And that is that is my frustration that, like, the inability to do their job is what's uh, making this game go later. I know I'm not being a great podcaster right now because I'm just, I'm frustrated. I'm incredibly frustrated to be a Guardians fan. And that one goes back. Uh, that means the runner goes to third. Don't need much from Miller here. And hey, it's nighttime. If we talk about the, I haven't really talked about the Owen Miller, cold weather, Owen Miller, the Wisconsin kid, playing better in cold weather. So it's got to be cold in Chicago at night. He should be just raring to go right now. Uh, I'm looking at the podcast. We're at about 28 minutes in the digital format. So for the digital, it's all digital in the audio format, I should say. So I'm going to call the audio podcast here. If you want more, you can go check out the YouTube where I'm going to keep the live feed going. Uh, for the time being so i wanted to thank everyone who hopped in and uh, took part who is dealing with the same frustrations as i did as this one was live uh, hopefully when you listen tomorrow you'll get to laugh at my anger because the guardians won and i won't make you additionally angry because of a loss but i'm betting on a guardians win uh, again thank you to everyone who rate and review download the daily subscribe on youtube do all of your things to help this show and as every show ends go go guardians go